So Ryan Tov, we continue in the Megillus Esther with the commentary of the Mechir Yayin. We're on class number six, and we begin the third chapter. And this is now we have Esther is installed as the queen. And now we're going to see the rise of Haman and how the Ramah explains who Haman is and who Zeresh is as we continue in our story over here. After these events, Gidal HaMelech HaChashver says Haman ben Amdosa Gogi Vayinasehu. The king promoted Haman and advanced him. Vayosem is Kisom Alkola Sermashirito. And he placed his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all and all the king's servants who were in the king's gate would kneel and prostrate themselves before Haman. For so had the king commanded concerning him. But Mordechai would neither kneel nor prostrate himself. So the Ramah tells us we see now a very important rule. We know the Talmud says, Kol shegodl mechavero yitzro godl Anyone who is spiritually greater than his fellow Jew, he has a greater yitzhar. And the reason for that is so a person should have free will choice. Okay, so what the uh, the Megillah is telling us that after the king became a bigger person, how did he become a bigger person? Because he married Esther, which means to say that this surah now has a more amenable chomer, and he has uh, Mordechai, which is the higher level of Seichel with him as well. So what has to happen if now Ahasuerus is in a good place, what has to happen is that Haman has to be raised to power because we'll see what Haman is going to represent. But it just makes sense if a person is becoming more spiritually stronger so first of all, in order to keep free will choice balanced, he has of a stronger Yetzahara. And obviously the nature of what he has in the positive realm will could spill over into the negative realm. And then it could cause him to sin. It could be that very greatness could be the place of him falling. And therefore, Haman that represents the Yetzahara will be able to be involved in this. Okay, just one second. We forgot to include someone in over here. Just give me one second. Okay. And therefore, we could, and therefore, um, as the Rambam quotes a Chazal who says that they give an analogy to what went on with the sin of first man. And he said um, the following, that the snake was uh, ridden on by Samuel. Samuel was riding on the snake trying to get Adam and Chava to sin. And Hashem watches this and Hashem was laughing. So what does that mean that Samuel is riding on the snake? Who is all this and what's going on? 
So the commentaries explain the Nachash, the snake, we know like that first snake that can seduced man to sin. We call that the power of midama, of imagination. And he's able to deal with our senses. Okay. Samuel is the writer. That is the power to arouse a person's desire. So the writer, Samuel, this comes from the word soma, to blind. It could blind people's eyes. It's a divine power that God gave him to blind people's eyes. It, and how do we do it? By getting them to imagine certain things. And that is how the Yetzirah works. It's a combination of Samuel working on our arousal and also working on our imagination. And Hashem, who sees what it really is, he laughs at it, which means to say, Anyone who has an elevated intellect, a divine intellect, will laugh at the whole thing. If you have a divine intellect, you laugh at all the overtures of the the Yetzirah. Because you want me to imagine certain things that aren't true? You want me to uh, 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 be aroused to such things? So now now we fit in where does Haman and Zeresh fit in? So this is the parallel of Samoel and the Nochosh, as we shall explain. Remember, Haman is an agogi from the descendants of Amalek, okay? And we know that Amalek is from Esau, and Esau's guardian angel is Samuel, which means to blind people's eyes. What's Esau all about? Says one thing means the other, tricks you. Okay, tricks you, makes you think you're he's a tzaddik when he's not a tzaddik. So what does he do? He blinds your eyes. Okay, and you also need that power of um, of imagination. So Haman is from a lotion of mehuma, which is confusion, and that's his power. While Zeresh is coming from the snake, which the word Zeresh, if you you know, split it in half is ze, and you combine the word eres. Ze, eres, this is poison, is zeresh, and that's the snake. So she represents the snake, which is that power of imagination, and Haman is to confuse the person and arouse the person and start imagining things. Okay, and that's the whole idea. That the snake, you know, Hashem says that sin crouches by the door. Like, you know, you you can get it very bad. So you need both powers. You need the power to arouse and confuse people and then to get them to imagine. Now, this happens all the time. How has, how do the liberal left destroy America? They get people to be afraid. And then when you're afraid, we do all kinds of things to make you believe to do this. They get you afraid. Oh, there was a hurricane. Climate change. We only have 10 years to live. So they get you confused. They arouse you. They 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 get you nervous. And then they give you a false picture. And they give you a ma- imagine what's gonna happen when the world's gonna end. How terrible that is. So therefore, give us more money. Right? How terrible are the police? So they work on fear, confusion, and then they give you the false 
reading of that, and they let your imaginations play with reality. Now, if you are a clear-headed, minded, thinking person, you say, why, why would I want to do this? Somebody gets killed. Oh, somebody gets killed. Gun control. Gun control. What? <laughs> they have a spoof. If, if, if you see, there's a spoof on Babylon B. They have a spoof where there is an AK-15 is on trial for killing someone. They have the AK-15 sitting in the defendant's chair. And they now are, are saying that, that he's guilty of killing. So the lawyer is saying, I don't understand. Somebody had to pull the trigger. They said, listen, did that gun kill that person? Yes or no? Yeah, but someone is, is pulling it. It doesn't matter. So, but, but that's foolish. But they get you nervous. Oh, they're going to kill us. Take away your guns. So now what? You can't defend. Now there's a reason why there's a Second Amendment. You know why there's a Second Amendment? Because if people have guns, they could stop the government from taking them over. That's the whole point of the Second Amendment. If you're not allowed to have any guns, what if the government decides to take away your rights? So anyway, but, that, but the point is it's fear. Fear. Fear of what's going to happen. People are living longer today. You're going to need so much money when you're older because your kids aren't going to care about you. The government can't pay for everything. So the fear is what? So if I think maybe you shouldn't give any more tzedakah because you got to save every penny for that day. It's fear, confusion. And now picture, picture what's going to be. You're going to die miserable alone without any health care. Oh, and therefore, therefore, you can't give any more tzedakah. I wish I could. That's all. That's what we have. The combination, the tag team, the evil tag team of Haman and Zeresh. See, that's what's happening over there. It arouses. It gets you to start getting scared. And then it distorts. And now that you're aroused and scared, you're going to get into that problem. And it could be in so many other ways. Not only scared, it arouses to Mayor Tory to think this is a wonderful woman. And then he starts imagining what it could be like. And then you go into the Avera. So that's Haman and Zeresh. So therefore, with, since Ahasuerus has a Mordechai and he's elevating himself and he's really uh, trying to hear from the greater Seichel, so what has to happen, obviously, is that Haman has to be elevated. And people go after that. And that's the same, the Torah says, the Gomorrah says, how do we know Haman minha, mina Torah minayin? What's the hint to Haman from the Torah? And what's the hint? When Hashem asked first man, Hamin ha'etz, from this tree that I told you not to eat, did you eat it? Hamin has the same letters as Haman. So therefore, that's the same idea. What's the hint to Haman that Haman can confuse you? The same way the snake confused people. And therefore, he elevates him. He puts him on a seat higher than all the other officers. So he's riding on a pedestal. Haman is on the seat. The confusing one, he's on the snake. The snake, we know, is the most cunning of all the animals. And therefore, what happens? The cunning snake gets everyone to listen to the foolish ideas. Now, in the story here, who is, remember, Shushan Abiris is the world, is the whole world. 
all the officers and advisors and people to the different bo- limbs of the body. So Haman now, that imagination, that fear, that uh, arousal is given a high seat. It now is what causes fear to the rest of the human being, to the senses of the human being. And then what do your senses do? They bow down to that fear factor and that imagination of how terrible things will be. Hashem can give us all a beautiful life. Hashem can give us so many beautiful things. And all you need is Haman and Zeresh to confuse us. That which is so good, they put a mishigas in your mind. Put a mishigas in your mind. Baruch Hashem, you have a job. Baruch Hashem, you're making enough money. Baruch Hashem, you have food on the table. You have everything to be happy about. There's nothing to be unhappy about. And you're and you're even using your seichel and you're really doing good things. So how does Hashem change that? Or how does Hashem challenge you? Well, if you're that great, you have to have some challenges. Remember, the Satan only goes after the big fish, as I said on Matsu Shabbos. The Satan doesn't have to go after the Rishonim, they're already down. You go after the good people. There's a good person over here, really is good. So what's Satan going to do? You, you see that now Mordechai is the higher level Seichel. He now is guiding Achashverosh. She's guiding this person, this Seichel, to deal, and he got a beautiful Esther, you got a beautiful Homer that's willing to go along, so everything seems fine. So what do you do? You make you make Haman become in charge. And then everyone bows down to Haman. Now, how do you, now there's a lot of ways of making Haman in charge, but it always surrounds an idea of confusion. A certain mishigas comes into our mind. And that mishigas gets us scared. And now we're scared and we're nervous. And now we have to do something about this. And what do they say? Bow down to us. Bow down to this um, illusion of what there's going to be very bad over here. And this is a person who everything was doing everything right, but he puts in this mishigas. And imagine how terrible it's going to be. You don't have enough money. Look, look what they're saying now. You're going to need so much money. You can't retire now. You need this and you need all these things. And then he convinced you to do all kinds of terrible things. And you got to say, wait a minute, isn't there a God in this world? Doesn't Hashem take care of me? Would Hashem create me to die like this? Does Hashem not want me to do his mitzvahs? Ah, but when you're nervous and you're scared, there's a pandemic. Right, now they're seeing that masks didn't help anything. Every Now they're seeing when it's too late that all these Michigan were waste. Ah, but there's still people still driving around in a car with a mask. And, it, and it, it's never, it's because the, the Haman has been elevated for us to bow down to him. So this is the challenge that's always in life. And Mordechai refuses to bow down. The intellect says, I, I, I don't agree to this. So now let's continue. Pasagimel. Then the king's servants, that's the body parts, right? Who are in the king's gate said to Mordechai, why do you disobey the king's orders? 
Now it came to pass when they said this to him daily and he would not heed them, that they told this to Haman to see whether Mordechai's words would stand up for he had told them that he was a Jew. So what's going on? So this all, it all just fits in over here, exactly what's happening. So the rest of the body is talking to your say, say, aren't you crazy? Don't you know what's going to happen? Don't you know what they're saying? I'm not going to have enough money later on. Or it could be any situation, someone insulted you. And we blow that up into something that's much worse than it really is. You're going to take this, you call this a, you, you call this a, uh, sanctifying God's name when someone insulted a, a nice person, you got to get him back. But if you say, listen, I'm not interested in this. I don't want to hear this. It's, they're saying, what's going on? So now they're going to tell Haman, they're going to tell the Yitzhak, he's got to work harder. And therefore, when Haman saw that Mordechai would not kneel nor prostrate himself before him, Haman became full of wrath. Okay. So now the Yitzhak, who sees, I can't get him to sin. So I gotta find another way. I, I can't get that part to sin. So I've gotta find another way. And that what this teaches us, the Yetzirah does not tolerate the Seichel's refusal to submit. So he's gonna try something else, right? The body wants to submit. The body's ready to bow down. But the Seichel's saying, I'm not ready to bow down. So now he tries now to cause the masses to sin and now comes up with some many tools. We're going to see there's three tools in the Eight Sahara's uh, uh, toolkit. But what he's going to start with going with philosophical ideas of, you know, how come the righteous suffer? Now you get a good old-fashioned righteous suffer in a very strong way. That could take the strongest Jew and break him, couldn't it? Countless stories of religious Jews, good Jews in the Holocaust, saw things and they just gave it up. So this is going to be the next, the next trick over here. So therefore, when he's he's upset. The Yitzhar Haman, he's upset. How am I going to really? I got I got to try another way, just to get them to bow down, just to use fear. I guess the Seichel isn't afraid. So then the pasuk continues. The next pasuk. So Haman sees, but it seemed contemptible to him to lay hands on Mordechai alone, for they had told him Mordechai's nationality. And Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout Achashverosh's entire kingdom, Mordechai's people. What's the symbolism here? So he's saying like this, so what am I going to do? Just try to get this guy to sin? Just try to get Mordechai to sin? I got to figure a way to get him to get others to sin. Okay? Okay. To get the Am Mordechai to sin. Okay? And therefore, I can destroy everybody else. In other words, if I can't destroy the Seichel, let me try to destroy everything around the Seichel. And that way I could take them all down. Right? And the Yetzirah has three means of getting a person to sin. Either through action or through thought, and that could happen in two ways, as he'll explain more as we continue, either by wanting to do what, you're, not doing what you're supposed to, or do, or do more what you're supposed to do, as will all be explained. So here we start with the first. How can I get the Jews and this human, this entire human, to stumble in action? 
So how, how we get you to stumble in action, you got to start getting philosophical and say, you know what? You know, Hashem really does not supervise the world. So, you know, all this, you know, I understand why you don't want to listen to me because what's it worth it? Why should I enjoy myself? You know, there is a God, there is a, no, 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 Hashem really is not, and that, it, it, Hashem's really not in charge. Hashem's really not in charge. If I can get him to believe that Hashem's really not in charge, I can take him down. So now the next part of the story where Haman makes the lottery is going to be the symbolism of showing the things uh, that Hashem is not in charge and start showing mankind certain things. So we continue on Pasuk Zion. It says, in the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, so Haman cast the poor, that is the lot before Haman, from day to day, from month to month, to the 12th month, which is the month of Ador. So we see the first month of Nisan. He does this, but it goes all the way. He's casting lots, starting with Nisan, all the way to Ador. So what is that? So, so the... Ramah bases what he's going to say now on a medrash. So let me tell you the medrash first to appreciate what he is trying to explain over here. Just fix up a little typo over here. So he says like this. It once happened that Rabbi Akiva's disciples heard the following in a dream. The dream says, you will die in the month of Ador and you will not see the month of Nisan. So that was a scary dream. <laughs> what is it? I'm going to die in order. I'm not going to see the month of Nisan. So Rabbi Akiva, who always could see the positive in everything, he says, in the month of Adar, you will die. The word Ador, you're going to mace. So Ador is similar to the word Hidur, glory. So it says you will die for the glory of the Torah. In other words, like the Talmud says, who, how will Torah succeed for someone who kills himself over Torah? Somebody literally kills himself, but he totally focuses on Torah, right? So you're a person, you'll die in Ador, meaning Ador means the glory. You'll die, meaning to say you will disassociate yourself. You're going to be so focused on your learning. You're going to be amazing. And now you will not see the month of Nisan, Nisan, because we're Nisan, which is tests. And therefore you won't see any tests. That's how Rabbi Akiva understood the month of Ador and Nisan. Ador is Hador, is the glory of what? The glory of Torah. Nisan is Nisan, our tests. Now that's a good way of looking at Ador, but you got to remember Haman's a Russian. <laughs> So he's going to look at things a little differently. And he's going to say, oh, you know, you're going to die in Adar and you're not going to see Nissan at all. Okay. And that's what he's going to say, that it's known from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, we start in Nissan, we go to Ador, that, you know what, Sadiqim suffer all the time. We see Sadiqim who suffer all the time and he can't just say he had a bad mazel this month because it's all 12 months. It's got to be one good month and he always seems to be suffering. Okay, and that must mean there's no supervision from God. And that's why he picks Nisan and Ador more than any other months. Okay, like we say, you know, in Ador you will die and you won't see Nisan. Meaning to say the glory of Torah will die. And there'll be no more tests. And that's where he begins to prosecute. 
He's saying, why is the tzaddik suffering? And you can't say it's because that God is going to test him because what's the purpose of testing a tzaddik? Why should Hashem test a tzaddik? He knows he's not going to make any mistakes. So therefore he's saying that the way he looks at it, since we're, and remember, he knew that uh, uh, Moshe died in Ador. So he's saying, you see, you see, righteous people suffer and it can't be because of a test. That's the way his perverted logic is. Because Hashem knows he's a tzaddik. What do you have to test the guy for? Well, a better way of looking at it is he's going to kill himself for the Torah. And then Hashem will not need to test him. But therefore, he distorted that. And therefore, he says, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, he casts the lottery from day to day. So he says, there's no other way of understanding things but the days and the months and the years. It's all coming from the fact that the, the what do you call it, the 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 mazolos the the planets rule everything and there and therefore the poor the lot the way the lot falls that's the way it goes no rhyme no reason and therefore we see it's all the way until ador we see tzaddikim die even though they have the glory of the torah as moshe died himself as he died on the 7th of Ador. So therefore he's saying, you know what? This is the first way to get them to, to sin, to say, you know what? Hashem, it's, life is a lottery. And there's a wonderful tzaddik, he dies. And the tzaddik suffers his whole life. So where's your God? And it's one of the basic questions. And sometimes even if the person is a good Jew and he's trying his best, something's trying to get him and he's not able to get him first time around. He has to try to find another way around to get him to go down. And then he continues in Pasuk Ches. And he proves that there's no Hashkacha. Why? Because now he has his date set. Now he goes to Achashverosh. And it says, And Haman said to Achashverosh, There is one nation that's spread around from all the nations. And their, their laws are different than everybody else. And they don't keep the king's laws. So he's saying, listen, he's saying, listen. He says, you have to know that there's no rhyme or reason. You want to know why? Another proof. Look at the Jewish people right now in history. They're in Gauls. They're in exile. Right? And that's what he means. Am echad mefuzer mefura. There's a people. They're spread around. Look at these Jews. They have no homeland. Now he learns like this. In spite of the fact that their laws are different than ours. In spite of the fact that they're Jews, in spite of the fact that they do mitzvahs, in spite of the fact they do Torah. And it must be why, because their God forgot about them. And therefore, if it's good for the king, we don't need these people to keep doing mitzvahs. Remember, Achashverosh is the Jew. The Yeshua's trying to convince, convince the Jew, look, look what's happening. And was he not convincing the Jews? Listen, Hashem, where's Mashiach? We're, we're not the worst nation. Hashem treats us worse than anybody else. How can there be a, a God in this world? So therefore, the fact that the Jews are separated shows there's an absence of Hashkocha Pratis. And therefore, now the Yetzirah will try to persuade the elevated intellect to submit to its lusts, and especially the lust for money. Remember, it's Paman's talking to Achashverosh. He's talking to the Jew. 
The Yetzar is talking to the Jew. He's trying to get him back. It's a harder Jew to take down because he's got a Mordechai. He's got an intellect. So I got to get him on other issues. Maybe emotionally. Look at, look at what's going on. Everyone's suffering. Look how many Jews are suffering. How many uh, of terrorists, they just ram into Jews and kill them. People come out of shul, they get murdered. And, th- and for this, you're going you're gonna to follow God? So he says, next passage, test. If it's good in the in the eyes of the king, you them right to destroy them. And here's ten thousand silver talents I will give to you. So what does that mean? He's saying, if you if you don't go after, if you leave the paths, okay, and just use go back to that lifestyle of eat, drink, and be merry, and go after all your tithes. And the biggest tithe is to collect money. It says here, here's ten thousand talents, and don't worry what's going to happen later on. Okay, just worry about collecting the money. Stop giving tzedakah or whatever. Right, and we know had it not been for Mordechai, we shall see that Achashverosh would have totally got sunk into this. Just like it says, if Hashem doesn't help you, you won't win. So he's saying, so he's trying to persuade the Seichel now to start submitting to its lusts, and and especially for the lust for money. And what does the king do? And the king and Pasuket, he takes off the ring of his hand and gave it to Haman. And he said, the silver is given to you and the people to do to them as it pleases you. He says, you know what? You know what? I don't even need any money. You know what? It's just good enough that we don't have to do mitzvahs anymore. I don't I don't even need money. I just don't want to do mitzvahs anymore. Forget about it. So then what does he do? Pasekut base. And the king's scribes were summoned in the first month on the 13th day thereof. And it was written according to everything that Haman had ordered to the king's satraps, the governors, etc. Each province according to his script, each person according to its tongue. It was written in King Ahasuerus and it was sealed with the king's ring. What's this whole idea of writing documents? So we know the rabbis say the tongue is the quill of the heart. The tongue is the quill of the heart. So therefore, it's not enough to confuse the person, but you have to speak about it. Get summoned to get people to talk about it. Okay? And it was all written on the 13th of Nisan, as he wants to mock, so to speak. The uh, Because we know what happened is, in Nisan, the, in the year 2449, when they dedicated the Mishkan, the first 12 days, a Nasi brought a Korban to dedicate the Mishkan. And now there's no base on Migdash. There's no Mishkan, there's nothing. And now it's the 13th. So it's like, now we're finished with the 12th. And now we don't have to bother with anything. And now, and now he orders to all the servants and the officers, that means the body parts, the limbs, the years, everything that's part of the person. And was all written with the ring seal of the king, meaning with his agreement. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about how we don't have to do these things. Get everyone just involved to just enjoy their lives. Because you see, it doesn't pay that we're still suffering. Hashem doesn't bring Mashiach. What's it all worth? So much anti-Semitism. So many things are terrible. 
And he says in the next passage, Gimel, and letters shall be sent by the hand of the couriers to all the king's provinces to destroy, kill, and cause to perish all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, on one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and their spoils to be taken as plunder. And then the next passage is going to talk about how everybody is running to do the will that is dead. It says, and it disguises the copy of the edict, etc., etc. And then it says, the couriers went forth in haste by the king's order, and the edict was given in Shushan, the capital, and the king and Haman sat down to drink in the city of Shushan, was confused. That's the word confused. So who are the runners? It means our senses, our five senses. We run after what we feel. That's why it's called hush. Hush is a sense. And therefore, all the senses start running wild. And once you have that, that becomes the reason why it can now plunder the, the spiritual makeup of the person. And that's how you're de- you're denying the hashkoch of Hashem like everything else. And like it says on the 13th, there's also 13 attributes, 13 fundamental principles of Yiddishkeit. And they're denying that 13 to destroy on the 13th, to destroy 13, destroying and denying the tenets of Yiddishkeit. And to believe everything comes from the 12 mazalos, 12 months from now. And it's all going to end in Ador. Because Ador is when we're going to take away that glory and destroy and steal all the talents and the resources that a person has. And that everybody can do whatever they want. Sin and do what you want. And then they finally write one more thing. It's going to be the law. It's not only we can do it, we're going to make it a law. Okay, the sin turns into law like we see everywhere in the world. And what does that do? That endangers the survival of the entire world. We're out of time. I just couldn't finish this last part. But this is how the plans of Holland work out. Okay.